It's another session with the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Starring Bruce, John, Trav, Pixie. So sit back and groove with us cats as we spin another session of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Last time on the Tri-Tech Games Podcast, we were talking about Bruce's game pitch, Californian Beachhead. We continue with the Kahunas. These guys have a tendency to just kind of disappear after they do their shtick. So uh, the second example is Sandy. Sandy is the daughter of a, rock, of a rock star of the 70s. She lives in a beach house with a live-in maid. Her parents are rarely around since they consider themselves to be a bad influence on her. Celebrities casually drop by. If you need to throw a party, Ground Zero is Sandy. Yeah, yeah. So let's see, bad influencers. So what? Uh, I'm trying to think of, of, of a very famous cup, uh, couple. Um, unfortunately, they're British. Uh, they were punk too. Um, they killed each other, and they both died. I can't remember. Sid uh, Nancy. Oh, 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 Sid, Nancy? Sid Nancy. Yes, Nancy. that would yes. be a very good example of the the child of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, I was also thinking along the lines of um, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, but he's not a bad influence. Well, he's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Sid and Nancy would definitely be bad influences. Yeah. So I'm just saying, is that you know, he's, he's somebody who's out there who are outrageous rock stars. Are, are totally into the drug culture, totally into, you know, uh, excessive uh, consumption of all kinds, you know, uh, jet all over the place. And she's living a, a fairly quiet life on the beach. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, hunted by, hunt, hunted by paparazzi, of course. Yeah. Right. Well, and of course she is gorgeous as they, as most kids characters are. So of course they're always going to be wanting to take pictures and of course, Always wondering, like, you know, who is that strange, you know, because it says the celebrities casually draw by. Oh, is she now dating, you know, uh, Brad Pitt or, you know, uh, in this in the, you know, eight, back in the we, 80s, Tom Selleck, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Selleck, David Cassidy. Right. You know. All those people would just and that's and that's another fun thing about setting this in the 80s, because you can get take all those characters, you know, from, you know, uh, TV time and just start dropping them into the, you know, into the show. Peter Lawford shows up, you know, as, as the benevolent uncle type, you know. Uh, anyways, uh, what? Oh, no, I'm just thinking John Belushi, but no, that would be a bad influence. Uh. But his brother might be a good influence. Yeah, that's true. But his brother wasn't much until, unfortunately, John died. Yeah, I know. Yeah. James Spader. Yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, so... But I'm saying that the point is that this allows you to bring. She's a she's a character that allows you to bring in all kinds of celebrity type drop-ins. Allows you to like bring in like things that are actually happening in the world, um, and she provides a a a, a 
a base if you really need one, you know, on the beach where, you know, uh, at least that's where everything is going to probably go out of because that's where they spend their time. That's where they're going to run into encounters and, uh, and find uh, various Martians doing various things that they need to deal with. So I can see it now. You, you visit Sandy, you're busy talking, and Brad comes out you know, wearing a towel and not much else. And then he goes, hi, Sandy. And she goes, hi, Brad. And they just walk past each other and it's like, Brad's staying here? Well, oh, he's crashing in the back bedroom. <laughs> like, like just that geez, that's what he's doing right and, and then and then another and then another beautiful girl comes out and says hi sandy hey another another beautiful girl hi sandy hey and then a guy comes out hi sandy hey <laughs> she's just totally fine with all of it of course you know because oh. she's just that kind of girl she's a nice girl so uh yeah, and uh, then we move on to probably the most problematic one of the entire group. Okay, which you think? Yeah, Cherry, a Kahuna in training. Cherry is as affectionate as a puppy. Any human male she meets will want to protect her and date her with equal fervor. Her older brother is a varsity baseball player, and of course, you could pick up somebody who's a who was a baseball player out in the in, in California for that. They practiced together before he went to college. Uh, she can swing a mean bat, and her pitch will knock a gull out of the sky. She appears vacuous, but her superpower is her underage status, which she expertly uses to get what she wants. Her air of innocence and emerging womanhood is potent support when she makes outrageous accusations. Officer, he touched me. <laughs> Or a demand. Oh, you want me to have this, don't you? I love it. It's so pretty. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Now you got to do that in the right voice. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Very, very, very afraid. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I ha and I have known a number of girls like this in, in uh, literally back in the 80s. <laughs> So one in particular, uh, she literally, she literally uh, was matched this person up. Except she was, she was actually was very, very sweet. But you, you know, but you would, you just, you took one look at her, and it was just like, what can I do for you? Now, oh for yeah, you, people worrying when we see underage, she's probably seventeen or going on eighteen. Just so you, just so you don't get squicky. Well, the point is, is that again, you know, this is this, she is off limits. She is, you know, I mean, if you play this character, your character, I mean, again, you're, you're, I, I can't tell the players what to do, but essentially, you know, she, she cannot have a public relationship because, I mean, uh, you know, because she is underage, you know, and, uh, and because of the fact that she, this is, this is the one character that is highly sexualized. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it would, it would be a problem. You know, because you you know you you could have that one guy who basically you know like say when she's with Brad, of course Brad's like, hey babe, you know, you know nice to see you, Jerry. And he just, I mean, he doesn't even he sees her, he really sees her, but it's not like you know he's he, he's immune to her superpower because he's got his own. He's more of a big brother than anything else. Yeah, yeah he's yeah yeah he, he I mean he would be the guy I, to take take her to the prom because everybody else is afraid that somebody else is taking her to the prom. She's a girl that would never be asked because everyone expects somebody better than them would be the one asking her. 
No, I'm, the thing is, I'm th- I'm thinking the character. I think that sounds it fits her to a T because it sounds very much like she's a bit suandre, and that's Rory Mercury from Gate. No, no, obviously Rory Mercury is not underage. She's not hundred and sixty years old. Oh, but still, the goddess. Like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 She's yeah, six hundred years basic... old, so yeah, she's not underage, but she looks underage. Yes. Yeah, right. I got gotcha. you. And, and she and she uses that to her to her advantage when people don't know who she is. Yeah, probably a bet a better choice though. You know, I mean, uh, would be the uh, young the, the younger sister in uh, No Game No Life because she's like super smart and gets and 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 is always getting her way from other people and always putting them in compromising situations because they make bad they make bad. Uh, Decisions around her, yeah, yeah. You know, she she like uh, she basically, you know, uh, this one girl thinks she's so so much better than her. She says, "Okay, fine, then we'll bet we'll bet panties." And of course, okay. she immediately wins the bet. And now the girl has to basically go around uh, the rest of the day without wearing any panties. And uh, her outfit, by the way, is is a very is a miniskirt. Short skirt. It's a miniskirt. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And so she's spending the rest. It goes without saying. Yes. It's anime. It's anime, right? Yeah. So she's <laughs> the rest of the day running around trying not to be uh, to be discovered. So you know, and anime. and she's like, "That's the bat." <laughs> yeah. All right. So sh- so she's the one who has the big sister in. Was it Trixie? Uh, yeah. Yes. Trixie is the one who's trying to reform her. Is Trixie because Trixie's the one who basically you know sees right through her, and so she's trying to basically put her on the you know use your powers for good, Cherry. <laughs> you know, but it is good for me. She goes, she goes, <laughs> huh? Oh. <laughs> That's when she plays vacuous, you know, and she's everyone's like, yeah, and she's like, yeah, you're not fooling anybody. All right, then we got Tina. Now, Tina might have made something of her life, but her white trash parents won the lottery. Now, the only two things to fill her mind is guessing the new flavor of the week at the frozen yogurt store, where it is clearly posted on the wall above the counter, and how long until her allowance gets deposited into her checking card account. Theoretically, she is rich, but she's always broke due to extravagant purchases. When someone needs a lot of money, Tina's bank account will suddenly be flush. There is an infinite number of posers who owe her favors, so her superpower is also connections. But mostly she's the wealthiest of the bunch. She's the one who has the most liquid money, put it that way. Yeah. So basically she, her parents are Jed Clampett and... Uh... Or, or, or OK Crackaby. If you, if you ever know that show, it's a really old show with uh, um, uh, uh, Burl Ives. No. Oh, yeah. It, it, so... Uh, always in the show, at some point, something bad would happen, and he would like pick up the phone, and he would like be calling to these guys over in Saudi Arabia and these guys over someplace else. And before, and and he's, he says, "I need fifty million dollars." And da, 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 they play this music. And he says, "Okay, done." And I was like, and that that's kind of like what <laughs> you know, that's what I'm talking about, where she could just suddenly, you know, if everybody needs to get bailed out, she could show up and bail them out. Okay, but you know. The idea is that she can only do that like once a session, because then the money's gone. Yeah, that would be a stunt in fate. She has, you know, once a session, you have as much money as you need to solve the problem. Yeah, but you cannot, of course, you know, with, with the with the caveat, you cannot 
you know, solve the game. You can only solve the the one specific problem. Right, exactly. You know, you know, it doesn't make doesn't make you know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but but also the fact is that because she's done this for so many people who you know who were in trouble and they you know uh, powerful people and they needed help and she she helped them out. Now she has a lot of people who are her favors, and so you can the GM can pull that in. Or whoever's playing the uh, uh, playing the character can suddenly say, "Oh yeah, well, you know, would uh, you know a Hollywood uh, expert, uh, uh, you know, cosmetic creature shop person be helpful in making disguises when we want to go in to the Martian uh, zoo?" (laughs) And they're all like, "Yeah, yeah, that'd be really good, Uh, 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 Tina. You you know somebody like that." Let me see. Speed dial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm starting to think that with Kahuna, she really should only have one. Well, if you if you just do that, then she's like I said, she's a one trick. She goes in, does her thing, yeah. she's done for the session, you know. And if you're if all you want to do is like bring in the you know, play the Kahuna card and the Kahuna shows up and solves your problem, well then fine. But if you actually want them to be part of the game on a more integral basis, then you need somebody who can basically, you know, as I say, call people and get favors yeah, yeah. done, you know, and, and, and make yeah, connections, yeah. get introductions to places, you know, get you know, this is the this this is basically be the equivalent of the 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 uh, bureau uh, 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 document forger. I mean, somebody will mm-hmm. vouch for you. She can call somebody up and they'll vouch for her and her friends. And so you get to go in wherever you need to go because she's got connections. Yes, Bill Gates owes her a favor. Who? Bill Gates? You mean the kid kid going to New Mexico University? In 1980, he'd already started his business. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, he did. But yeah. In New Mexico. And he right. was actually, and the, by the middle of the 80s, he was a real up-and-comer that point yeah. but let's let's instead use the other guy from the place that the other yeah guy. The, the, the one that has the fruit on the on the computer nope apple oh oh, oh you're talking about oh, no actually was it apple then yes, yes it was it's always yes. apple uh, that's right oh bill job uh, no steve jobs steve Jobs. yes or anybody yeah. I mean, anybody else you know like i said tom Selleck. you know whatever mm-hmm. he's saying is the the uh, the important thing is that's she's that's what what she can do for the group you know um her most her most important contact. Her family did one smart thing. They they got they got an honest accountant. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then we have Mitzi. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, in, in this, uh, in you know, Mitzi is is a runs a a, a, a t shirt shop called the T Shop in a nearby mall. She spe- you know, and she specializes in cotton t shirts because she's. To- she's totally into the natural. She and uh, oh, Susie would get along really well because of their commitment to natural. But she's also the one who's the most militant. This is the 80s. You know, it's not that far away from the 70s and 60s. There's still a lot of things that need to be, you know, uh, protested. It's, it's the era of women's rights. So she's the uh, ultimate eco-warrior activist. But you know when so when she's not working at her shop, she's trying to educate others of the evils of polyester and red meat. So, oh, oh Bruce, you, you have to you have to explain something to our younger listeners. What's a mall? 
a mall. It, oh, well, they still exist. Still there, <laughs> they still exist. But back then, they were a really big thing. I mean, people actually, yeah. the teenagers okay. um, actually wanted to go and spend their entire days there. Yeah, malls, malls are still around, John. God. Yeah. But that was that was the big era when they came into being. That was when they got most of them got built, and they they were literally you know palaces of indulgence. I mean, before then, you, you know, the biggest place you had was like a department store, like you know Macy's or or. Uh, I mean, I mean, they were in the seventies, but they weren't very big. I mean, like the Pontiac Mall was basically just not that big. Right. Back in the seventies, but still, yeah, th- th- yes, that's that's when the that's when like the Mall of America was founded, yeah. more or less, in the eighties. But in in the in the um, in the eighties, they really came in their own, and in some places, there were like ginormous palaces, bigger than football fields, with hundreds and hundreds of shops, of uh, you know, with the most uh, latest breaking fashionable stuff and weird things from you know strange places like Hong Kong that nobody had ever heard of. You know, people were starting to talk about this strange, uh, uh, strange thing called martial arts. You know, and there was this, you know, uh, this 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 martial arts guy that actually was pretty good in a in a superhero television show called the uh, the Green Hornet. His name was Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was a definitely a seventy show though. You call it that's a seventy show. Yeah, but the point is that he no late six no late sixties. Oh show. no! Oh no! No, no, it was on the same time Batman. Yeah, was. Green Hornet was back in the sixties. Yeah. Anyways, he he hadn't died yet. I don't think at that point. No, it was but in the late sixties he died though. Uh, unfor- you know, unfortunately, Bruce Lee passed you know, passed on. I don't think he, he, I have to. I would have to Google it. But I'm not going to Google it right now. Because yeah, we're 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 tangenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. He died in 1973 at age 32. Okay. All right. Anyways, well, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is still around. <laughs> Yes, Chuck. Yeah. Yes, yes, Chuck. Right. Yeah, Chuck. And that's when Jackie Chan was starting to hit big too in the eighties. Yeah. Mm, I never heard of him except you know uh, at that point. It wasn't until later that he started. He had bubblegum. He was in the. He was in bubblegum run, I believe. Cannonball. Cannonball run. What? Yes. Cannonball run. Really? Yeah, I saw uh, that movie. Uh the second one, I believe. Okay. Yeah. He was playing. He was playing at the time. He was being. They're trying to cast him as as the second Bruce. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, you know, it was a time when you know there was there's a lot of things showing up on the scene that 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 nobody had ever seen. And of course, you know, disco was kind of you know it was it was be, it was lo- losing traction at the beginning of the eighties because it was yeah. really big in the in the late seventies. Yeah. So there's still still some of that. So you still got like disco roller rinks and and uh, and a few major dance studios like that, but new stuff was coming out. And that's let's say that's where the those athletic clubs were important because they were also places where people you know would have dance studios nearby and things like that. So, anyways, uh, we were talking about Mitzi. Okay, so you know of 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 all the you know uh, Kahuna's, she's probably the most serious you know of, of the of the bunch. But at the same time, is it because she's so committed to these causes, she does come across as being really out there. But she's really good at convincing people to join her cause, whatever that cause might be. The, the way I kind of looked at it was I said, you know, she's awful lot like Zorch, but female. Yeah. yeah. 
And and her shop is the only t t shirt shop you ever you go to where the, you can also get a uh, lemongrass smoothie. Maybe. Oh yeah. All right. Um. The okay. So the the last one I have here is uh, is Jeanette. Jeanette is a is a laboratory technologist who sheds her scrubs on the weekend and gets wild and crazy. She's a definite adrenaline junkie, extreme sport enthusiast. Unknown to her, she's the daughter of a woman who escaped a Martian genetic experiment. The Martians have been, you know, coming to a, uh, you know, Earth for a while, uh, you know, uh, even all the way back to the, you know, Roswell thing. Uh, she has inherited an advanced physical structure. Her flesh is tougher than the best body armor. She heals without scarring, and her rallying cry is, "Here, hold my apple teeny." Um, well. It can't be an apple teeny. Apple teens didn't exist in 1996. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll have, I'll have to change yeah. that. I, you know, I was trying to pick something that I thought was then. Okay. Anyways, Martini and Rossi. My Martini and Rossi would work. Okay. You know? But you know, so so this is somebody who's basically an extreme sports enthusiast. And again, it's going against type. It's a girl. You know, most people think of guys doing that. Point Break. You know, all that kind of stuff. And um, so. <laughs> Though you know those those who have watched the movie yeah, know that uh, yeah. that the the the, the most kick butt character was a woman on that on that movie, so and, and so in a sense she she's she's the non surfing version of Brad in in a lot of sense uh. because she's you know uh, she does have a serious job and so she's in a way she's kind of like um, bifurcated she's she's almost like got a double personality. Because when she's working, you know, she's all professional and you never know, okay? But then when she leaves, it's like she goes through a transformation, you know, spins around a couple of times, has a different outfit on, and all of a sudden she's like, you know, uh, you know do, doing base jumping off the, off, off the side of, you know, a building or something. Or frankly, bouldering the building before she goes into work. So, yeah, you know, I I did a head count here. You've got a nice harem game going here. That's three guys I, and eleven women. I know it was hard to come up. <laughs> well, the point I was trying to make here was, I mean, uh, was not to make a whole bunch of women, but to basically say, hey, look, you can, you know, these these are I I want you know there to be a nice balance of players playing characters, and so rather than make it a bunch of you know basically the A team, which was you know which is also in that that same era. Uh, I yeah, wanted but... it to be something where you know, I, uh, and and something a little bit more, a little bit more silly than Charlie's Angels, uh, you know, because it was science fiction oriented. There wasn't really you know much uh, anything that really fit into that on television. Uh, there were a number of movies, uh, but anyways, yeah, I did that intentionally because I wanted to show all the different ways that the female characters could be really important to the to the drama. Uh, and then bring the guys in because the guys you can always I mean, making competent male characters is 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 pretty easy for most people to imagine. They have lots of examples in the '80s movies at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if coming up with you know heroic female characters was something I thought was a little bit more of a challenge, which is why I wanted to list a lot of different possibilities, especially where they wouldn't step on each other's uh, uh, spotlight very much. So what do you guys think of, of, of the uh, characters I brought up? Well, I do... you did say something about anime tropes. 
Right. And that's pretty much the first place my brain goes when I hear the word harem. That was John. <laughs> no. Uh, but well, no, no, you John. said it. But yeah. that's where my brain went. You said something about anime tropes. John said harem. My brain went, oh, like the like most anime. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, certainly you could play this yeah. basically like straight up like an anime if you wanted to. Okay. Oh God. That's one reason Tenchi why we were talking about big, yep. you know. And big yes, Tenchi. Tenchi yes. is very much like this, you know. Uh, and of course, in that case, he is a Kahuna. He's a Kahuna. Yeah. Uh, you know. You know, you know, because you know, of who he is and what he yeah. is. He, he, yeah, especially he basically he, he, everything happens because of him. You know, he's the center. Yeah. And the only time he ever mm -hmm. actually does something is at the very end of the anime where he pulls out the out of nowhere, because he basically makes it materialize, the light, you know, the, the lightning wings and the, the swords, the light wings, you know, things and the sword and takes down the big bad at the end. And the rest of the time, everybody's protecting him. Yeah, and spoilers. If uh, and there's at least four different continuities in the series, yeah, at least. Uh, but the main continuity uh, turns out he's more special than that. But I'm not going to do it because it's it'd be a spoiler. But he's more special than just being a human person, son of a of a Jirai, uh, Jirai uh, noble and a human woman. Actually, no. It turns out he's the son of, of two Jirais. Which was a spoiler in the movie, uh, the, the final movie, final series. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. The uh, okay. <laughs> Dad, Dad actually turned out to be something more than a skirt chaser. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a big surprise to me. All right. Anyways, um, so, but yeah, like Josie, you're right. I mean, this this would play very well as an anime with all the that stuff. But I, uh, it's but you you don't have to play it that way. Certainly, you know the, the the you can certainly borrow from anime if you wanted to uh, from all these different things because there are all those anime tropes. You know the you know the oh let's see you know hammer space. You know certainly uh, you could have um, uh, Susie is it Susie uh, pulling that gigantic hammer Debbie Debbie pulling that gigantic hammer out of somewhere Trixie you know pulling guns out of wherever you know. <laughs> It's uh, the one to be the most exp uh, the the most, and then of course you got Susie walking around naked half the time. Where is she keeping her weapons? Well, she's got them somewhere because she gets them. You know, they're in hammer space. Yeah. Well, actually, having having said that, you might actually want to then use, uh, if you want to go that route, OVA, the uh, anime role playing game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because that cover, yeah. covers all those tropes, right. and it lets you, it'll let you create the you know create the characters. Pretty much, uh, every one of these characters could be easily done in OVA. Right. Well, I'm saying is that that's why I said Scooby Doo slash you know anime mm -hmm. kind of thing. All right. So, so anyways, uh, you know, so playing the types, the the non Kahuna characters are supposed to be competent professionals who should be good at any task related to their background. So you know what you know whatever it is that you say your character is, uh, they should be able to perform competently. They shouldn't be like people who are just you know based unless they're acting outside of their area of expertise. You know you you need somebody to climb that wall, and the only person you have to do it is is Cherry. Okay, <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> you know, and Cherry's like ah, but. But most of the time, you want them to basically be good at something so the players will feel good about playing them and have a sense that they can be successful. You know, and I, I wanted, you know, then that, 
you know, and that allows people to to have have a lot of win in their games, which is what you know. So we can focus on the humor. We can focus on the published adventure. Also, the important thing that I was hearing from you, they don't seem to step on each other's toes. Right. Very much so. It's very important. Yeah. A lot of games, it seems like everybody has like really good, you know, negotiation skills or everybody has really good um, uh, perception skills. So, of course, everybody always knows everything that's going on at all times or somebody basically just goes and talks them out of every situation. You know, I would I would. And the and the problem with that is is that most of the time there's a whole range of other things that they could be good at that they never pay attention to because they're really desperate to make sure that they can do those two things. Yeah. Oh yeah. One very important thing that you need to remember about it's being set in the '80s. No cell phones. Oh no, you had them. They were just the size of military walkie-talkies. Yeah. Yeah, but but but, you know, no. But the thing is. These kids wouldn't be caught dead with one of those. Yeah, that's true. Their parents would have one. Right. I mean, Except the, for... Yeah. Um, yeah, Brad. Not Brad. Um, uh, Roger. 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 Roger would have one of those, probably in a briefcase. <laughs> Maybe Sandy, because, you know, parents are a rock star. They got, they got her. So there it is, sitting at the table. Right. But, the rest of, but the rest of them? Are you kidding? Look how uncool that thing looks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now they 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 would know we're all. Uh, they'd have to run over and you know, uh, you, you plead find plead with somebody booth. to use their phone. Yeah. Or, or no, no. There, you know what they'd booth. have to do. And again, we're gonna have to you know kind of explain to our younger listeners. There were these things back in the day called phone booths. <laughs> they still have them at hotels. Yeah, it's called a payphone. Yeah. Yeah, a payphone. Yeah, and and you can't use a credit card. Oh, uh, actually have to have look- coins to make a phone call. Well, there was that. And we and won't it, even get into the whole concept of a collect call. We won't even go down that road. Yeah. Unless <laughs> unless of course unless of course yeah. unless of course you're playing a hacker character, in which case you take your Walkman Okay, and and your uh, and you take the headset, you put it up onto the onto the microphone, and you play the sound of quarters falling into <laughs> the phone, and it works. So long, <laughs> no, Bruce. That's amateur work. You you get yourself the whistle. Of Captain so, Crunch. Yeah, I was, I was has, about to say has, to Bruce, settle down there, Captain Crunch. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'd forgotten about Captain Crunch whistle. Oh, we're See, this is what I'm talking about. These are great <laughs> ideas. Old school hacking here, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, yes. And see, it's ten cents for a local call for about three minutes or five minutes, I think, and then quarter for long distance yep. for about two minutes. Yeah. So yeah, you, you think about you know talking for twenty minutes on the phone. You best have a bag full of quarters. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and and right in the middle of when you're saying, but well, wait, I got to tell you this, and it says, and, and, please deposit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and suddenly you're, you're cut off <laughs> while the per- the phone is telling you, please deposit another fifty cents. You're like, oh, where's that quarter? You put it in there, and you hear it go ching ching, found into the box. It doesn't actually register. No. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or you, you you call collect knowing that the other person is not going to answer the phone, but you tell them, but you give them the code word as your name. Yep. Yep. Right. So they know you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one way to do it because they learned a long time ago don't let don't let the person talk because they'll try to actually do the phone call without actually paying for it. 
Yeah, so we have a Mr. The Chickens on the Roof who wants to talk to you. <laughs> and that would be Colonel Sanders. Wow, am I glad I had no life where I had to do things like that as a kid. Wow. <laughs> All right. Oh, Lord. But anyways, but anyway, the, yeah. the point is, is that, you know, these, are, these characters are fun-loving, full of energy. They're looking to make a difference in the world, but they're skeptical enough that they b- can believe that there are hidden forces arrayed against them. They don't trust their government, but they do trust the kahunas, sometimes in spite of themselves, because these characters are pretty far out there. Now, everybody understands that the kahunas are out there, but they get a pass because their successes, again, their successes are everybody's success, and unconsciously we make paragons of normal flawed people. So in time, players may wonder if the kahunas have their own mind-affecting field, and that's why they're immune to the Martian one. The kahunas can identify Martians at 20 feet regardless of disguise. And a kahuna should always be played as broadly and outrageously as possible. Yeah. So watch a bunch watch a bunch of uh, you know surfer movies just to get an idea. Right. But I mean not just them, okay? Other examples of kahunas are Albert, the um uh the one of the characters in the Birdcage, if you're oh, yes. that movie. Oh god, yeah. Nathan Lane. Nathan yes. Lane is yep. Albert. That's you know, with totally a kahuna. Best and he eight. is the star of this cross dressing uh, club, too. Yeah. So everybody revolve. I mean, he's if he, he's the glue that holds everything together, even though he seems like a complete flake. <laughs> oh, then of course uh, your next one, of course, is David Bowie. Everybody ascribes everything to David Bowie. So yes, yeah. you know, he's 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 truly an alien on Earth, okay? Yeah. So um, Elton John is, you know, is, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you if you remember him from uh, the the uh, oh um, Tommy, <laughs> mm-hmm. the movie version, and uh, and and of course my Doc favorite Brown. Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Just Great comes- Scott, yeah, right. Yeah. I also can think of some of the characters that Michael Caine has played. There's a few characters of his um, that I would say would fall in the co- either either type, but yeah, um, uh, especially when the younger roles he played, Alfie. Okay, I remember that movie, but yeah, yeah, okay. But uh, I, I, an example that would be a little bit, um, uh, and and I don't remember it well enough, other than I do know that he did a lot of outrageous stuff in it. But speaking of outrageous stuff, uh, how to succeed in business without really trying. Not not mm-hmm. the, the original movie, but the earlier one, uh, based upon the stage play, where oh the the nineteen fifties movie or no nineteen forties movie uh, it was, it was a Technicolor. David was it David Morse what, I can trying to remember oh, he had a big gap yeah. in his tooth or something yeah uh, Google do not fail me anyways uh, the point is is that <laughs> he's the guy who basically managed to go all the way to the top of a corporation pretty much by just ballsing it up, just basically making outrageous lies and um, and and, ma- and making the and, and uh, making the wolves eat each other. So you know, Robert Morris, yeah, Robert, Robert Morris. Morris, yeah. So, anyways, but hey, the hey, the the um, oh, what's his name from uh, Family Ties? Yeah, Michael J. Fox. Who's the, Michael J. Fox? He did his the latest version of it. Either. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that wasn't bad either. Eh. You know, you know, the thing, and it actually, that's we were talking about Cherry. Anyone getting next to her? The secretary, the boss's secretary. 
and whatever, you know, whatever someone you know, he got, she got assigned to someone else to go to someone else's office. I think the, the the typical graphic was the guillotine coming down on that person on that person every time she went to one of their offices. Yeah. Well, you know, clearly, it, it, you know, Cherry would be the person you'd send in to become like the new secretary assistant. Who wouldn't mm-hmm. hire her? Yep, it'd be too early for the intern type. Because interns more of a ninety thing. Yeah, but they 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 had you know they still had steno pools then they still had people yeah. who did filing, you know. Oh God, yes. So, where where typing was definitely a skill you, you you needed to have if you were female. Unless of course you were obviously I you know, candy eye candy yeah you you were yeah. there because the boss wanted you to have a job. Mm-hmm. And, and usually all your work was assigned to somebody else. And you have to talk in that obnoxious Bronx accent. No, no. This is California. <laughs> you can't okay. talk in a Bronx, an obnoxious Bronx <laughs> accent, but you certainly don't have to. <laughs> More likely, you're going to talk Val speak. All right. So um, anyways, so like I said, these are the characters. But let's let's talk a little bit more about the game. So the aliens are, are like I said, they're trying to form a beachhead. So they're, they're basically trying to, you know, take – influence people, take them over. There's two types of aliens. Uh, there's uh, uh, one type is, is the normal aliens that you're going to run across, okay, which are, you know, the, the short, you know, uh, gobby head aliens, you know, like, like you'd imagine, you know. Uh, there's also the big head aliens, which are, you know, well, basically, if they didn't have that mind-affecting field, you, you would know for sure that they were, they are. And they're the elite, the funny thing, though, is, is is that they really got this job because they screwed up. This this wasn't a promotion for them. Being sent to Earth to be part of this expeditionary force is probably what you get if you basically get somebody peeved off at you uh, on Mars. You know, eventually they're supposed to be successful, but you know they're basically at, giving them an impossible job, and they're trying really hard to succeed. But there's probably they're again they're not the smartest pencil in the box though from the from the intellect smartness side of it they're way off the chart as far as humans are concerned. As a matter of fact, have you read the book Tommyknockers? No, but I have seen the movie. Okay, well, uh, or a series. Right. So we have these people who are being affected by this alien saucer that's buried out in the woods. And it's basically making them clever. So they start fiddling mm. with stuff, and before you know it, they've you know out of your you know out of a a a, 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 a broken television set, a hair dryer, and something else. They made a death ray, okay, which they will then proceed to blow up half the town with. So this level of technology, where you know even though humans don't have alien technology, they can make it work. Okay, the aliens are smart enough that they can cobble again, like Doc Brown, where he he basically takes things that should not work together and puts them all together and makes stuff. So the aliens are going to have all kinds of high tech, not just what they brought with them, but also stuff that they're putting together. And they're going to put together all kinds of weird science type stuff and do experiments and everything else. So uh, you you have all those opportunities for like you know the, there there could be a subdivision where they're doing the Stepford Wives. There could be another, you know, another place where you know they they've programmed all the rats to to do something. Uh, 
whatever. The big brains, however, want to keep, you know, they, they'll send their minions, the other guys, out to do it. Uh, they want to live the high life in the suburbs. So ultimately, the, the, role, the job is to find your way, work your way through the, the various people until you get enough clues to figure out where some of these big brains are and bring the battle finally to them. And, you know, but in the meantime, you know, say all that stuff that they have, all those weird things are going to fall into the hands of the player characters. And Trixie wants her blaster. I'm thinking, and you mentioned here that they, uh, and the Martians, you know, now you mentioned that they were using mind powers to hide, but you also have here, they scoop up the guts of human and basically write them like a puppet. Right. Well, you know, that's, that's, I mean, sometimes, for example, they wanted to, they want to impersonate somebody. Okay, their mind power doesn't let them impersonate somebody who already exists. Okay, it just makes ah. them look like makes people accept them as normal. Okay, so if they really want to do that, then they're gonna have to basically go and grab somebody and uh, basically eviscerate them, crawl inside, and start pu- pulling their ganglions. You know, like like as you say, like a puppet string, basically ride them. Uh, the big brains can't do that because their brains are literally too big to fit. But the other ones can curl mm-hmm. up pretty good inside the body, and and still pu- and, and their mind affecting field keeps people from noticing too much. But you do get some of the weirdness that went in like movies like uh, uh, Hellraiser, you know, where the guy was wearing somebody else's skin, and people mm-hmm. were like, "Look, you know, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm also thinking of uh, movies like They Live, uh-huh. where they you know they're using uh, you know hypnosis to make people not see them and. There was a Charlie Sheen one. I remember where they had something similar. Was it Charlie Sheen? Probably. Or was one or one of the Sheen brothers? I can't remember. Well, it's probably Charlie then. Yeah, yeah. Where they had something like that. Right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, they, they can impersonate people and and therefore take over people in, in important positions. The problem, of course, is is that you know they're they're not going to last long after you rip their guts out. No, so no, that no. kind of impersonation is only good for a few days. You know. Now there's then it get, get smelly. Well, they're literally they're not feeding them. So unless they're unless they're basically you know uh, they're they're going to go they bring them back to the house and they basically put them on a glucose drip. <laughs> they're they're not going to get any nutrition and they're eventually going to just you know collapse. Die. Right. You know, yeah. And get and get very smelly. Yeah. Too. So. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. um, and and you can even play them as incontinent if you want to, assuming that those organs still remain. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you can get as messy and nasty as you want in that regard. Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, so like the kind of things that the players might get their hands on, of course, are blasters, power armor suits, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, something from uh, 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 from uh, oh, was it uh, uh, weird? Weird invaders. Now, what is shoot? Can't think of it. the The one where the Martians come down on on um, uh, on, on Halloween. Space invaders. Space invaders. Right, right. The donut of destruction. They the player characters might actually get their hands on a donut of destruction. You know. Oh, can you have a jetpack? A working jetpack? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I can see it right now. Going okay. What's it run on? Well. Uh, you know, Illudium P38. How, where do you get that? Mars. Yes. So, you know, it's <laughs> going to have limited use, or you're going to have to find a good source of it. And, of course, my favorite, instant minions. Just add water. Water, yes. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't drop them into the sewer. Or the local pool. Right. Or the ocean. Right. Or at least <laughs> just only drop one. 
So, and, and, and this is where you were saying, you know, that, uh, they, this they, is they, the point where I trip and drop the entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be a problem. Okay. So, uh, or else. At which point the Martians and the humans might actually form a, a, a temporary alliance just to get because you know the Martians don't want people to know that they're there, so they'd be like, you know, here, you know, fire on them, kill them, kill them all. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, yes. He says they they in that large of a mass, they'll form a gigantic, you know, slithering monster and take over the world. Yeah, kill them now. So anything, anything, you should always go crazy. You fools, you fools, you let them all go. You don't, uh, <laughs> you know not what you do. You're meddling in forces beyond your comprehension, foolish mortals, foolish humans. To be continued. Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. <laughs> <laughs>